conservative. Christian. Mother. Wife. Air Force veteran. Gun rights advocate. This is Stacy on the Right. Here's your host, Stacey Washington. Bobby Barack is a journalist covering media, politics, and sports at OutKick. The website is OutKick.com. And his writing is it's stellar. You have to subscribe. Bobby, thanks for joining tonight. Stacy, I appreciate it. And it just uh, dawned on me, we got to get you on OutKick here pretty soon. So we're going to make that happen here before the end of the summer. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. You know how I like to talk, so I'll join you happily. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I was reading your articles and um, I just I, there's a little turn of phrase that you have when you're writing about these things where I kind of get a little bit of a smirk on my face because <laughs> it's just you can't make this stuff up. And so you have first first article, Hunter Biden pleads not guilty after several twists and turns in court. You you're not kidding. It has been a windy road for this guy. Yeah, so this was bizarre. Um, so we expected today not much was going to happen. We had heard that he got this cushy plea deal. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I wasn't watching because I didn't think much of it. I actually forgot it was even happening. We got this no- news that the plea deal fell through. So I turned on the television to see what was going on. I started reading about it. And then as I kind of started to develop an idea, we get a report from CNN that the deal is – the plea deal is back on, but in a limited fashion. But other outlets weren't reporting that. I actually think the first outlet to do it was TBN, Trinity Broadcasting. So then we're trying to figure, okay, the deal is back on, but it's just limited. And then the third twist was the judge rejected it, and Hunter Biden ends up pleading not guilty. And then we get a report from MSNBC saying, well, we know nothing right now. The status of the trial in the case is unclear, and MSNBC muddied up by saying that they don't even know what the judge's reason was or why it fell through. So there was just so much going on, one thing after another. We didn't expect any of this, but I guess the big thing is, is when he originally agreed to this plea deal, it was in theory to keep him out of jail. At this point, Almost anything's possible because we saw today nothing is expected because we don't know what is going on. Right. And just to be clear here, he had been given what amounted to not even a smack on the wrist. What what would you call it? I For me, Bobby, I would call what they gave him if he deserved to be in the kitchen at the big restaurant cleaning dishes all night manually by hand. And instead, they ushered him over to a table and brought all of the desserts for him to sample and then gave him a tip and let him leave. That, that's that's the difference in between what he should have gotten and what he was actually lined up to get. Like, it wasn't just a sweetheart yeah. deal. It was like a kiss off. True. You're, you're right. It's almost one of those things where it was like kind of when someone gives you the side eye, like, mm-hmm. hey, you shouldn't be doing this. But wink, wink, you're going to be able to get away with it. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, I mean, when the news came out about the plea deal, I mean, it, it just made no sense, particularly what's going on with President Trump. We spoke about, it, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, you compare Hunter Biden, Trump and the accusations of a two tier justice system are so evident in these two cases. And, you know, I, I might dive deeper into that topic later this week sometime because today was just so hard to even get a grasp on what was going on but yeah i mean look this is a guy who jordan belfort put it 
best last week, and who he is the real Wolf of Wall Street, telling Jesse Waters that Hunter has never faced consequences for his actions. And the danger of that is not just politically, but it is hard for people to change and improve if they never face consequences. So at the end of the day, Hunter Biden, it's not even he's a political target. He's a normal guy who committed crimes and committed errors all throughout his life and has yet to pay for them. And that's not right for him, a politician or any normal civilian. Yeah, it's not. And uh, so I think I saw a meme earlier today. It was um, a rapper who happens to be black and he is on the left and he received 46 months for the same exact crime that Hunter Biden is getting a diversion program for, which, I mean, obviously that part of the plea deal has been tossed out. So we're not sure what he's going to get, but we know he's not getting 46 months. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm with you on that. And I think the question too, with all of this is that, Wait, wait, A, where does it lead now? And ultimately, what is what is the um you know, what are the domino effects in all of this? Um, because I expected none of it, I'll have to admit. I mean, I was surprised I don't know if I'd say pleasantly surprised, but I just I expected this thing to go pretty smoothly. So the fact that it didn't is surprising to me. I know some people say it's a win for the right, a win for Republicans. I don't even say that because to me it's not a matter of Republican Democrat, it's that this guy got a deal he should have never gotten, and we might reverse that course, and it should. So I, I take politics completely out of it and just ask that this guy get treated like anybody else would in this situation. I don't think most people would have ever gotten that plea deal that he originally agreed to. No, they wouldn't have, and it's not a victory for the right or the left. It's a victory right. for, hey, you committed a crime and you're not going to get away with it. it. These people treat him like they actually worship him because they don't want to see him punished in the same way a regular person would be punished. Yeah, and and I that's why I think it's so important that we all sit back and try to take politics out of this stuff. And I, I would say we do the same thing with the Trump case. Take out what you think about him as a president or a candidate or even as a guy. Just try to judge what he's being indicted for objectively. And if you start at that point, it's so hard to make a case that the punishment fits the crime with Trump. I mean, same with Hunter Biden, but vice versa. We have to take politics out of some of these cases as hard as it is, particularly in Trump's case, because the entire thing's politicized. But when you do that, I think you really become skeptical and suspicious about what's going on here. Yeah, skeptical, suspicious, and most importantly, you know, it's exhausting. If we just look at it in the way that it it should be looked at, which is, you know, did he break the law? Did he commit crimes? You know, if so, yes, then, you know, move forward. If not, stop politicizing it. You know, we all know Biden doesn't actually want to run against Trump, but the way to stop that from happening is not to criminalize the man. And it's the same thing with Hunter Biden. We all know Hunter Biden as the son of a president isn't going to get the same treatment right. as a rapper, but he certainly can't get away with all this stuff and keep selling the art and living in the White House. You know what I mean? Like, get compromised with us a little yeah. bit. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh, I mean, the whole story about Hunter Biden from when, we, when he first became a figure that I guess we cared about, um, I mean, so much of it, 
I mean, you know, suspicious. I, I call it a suspicious, but it's just eerie. Like the energy board, what happened with Ukraine, China. Um, again, I can't emphasize this enough. Take out the president's son and just look at Hunter Biden, what he's done, what he's been accused of, and most importantly, what he's gotten away with. That's where this conversation should start and end, and it's just not like that. The defenders of Hunter Biden have overtly made this political all to protect him and protect his dad, and it's just nauseating because what they're telling us is not true. Their excuses are not valid, and they just come across as so hypocritical. And we're tired of it. We're Americans, and we deserve better than this. So, I okay, we we got to get through all because you wrote a lot. You've you've been busy, and that's that's every week. It's like this is not new. Um, so then we're turning to Elon Musk. So this story, I saw it, and I instantly felt so sad for this family. And I'm not a LeBron James fan, but I'm also not a huge basketball watcher. So you know that don't take that to mean anything against him personally. I I actually, you know, I'm just not a huge basketball person, but, um. So Bronny James is LeBron James's adult son. He is an athletic man. He is physically fit and he, you know, plays a lot of basketball. I mean, so the guy is not someone you would think mm, he's, you know, overweight. He has heart arteries, you know, someone who doesn't eat well or take care of himself. He suffered a cardiac arrest. And so the first thing that happens online, if you have myocarditis, pericarditis, a heart attack, or if you drop dead suddenly, the first thing people do is they say, were you vaccinated? And so the speculation ensued immediately. And Elon Musk was among those speculating. Talk to us about this. Yeah, so I, I wrote about this yesterday. But really what I did is harken back to a column I wrote in January, which actually ended up being, I believe, my most read column I ever written. It's actually one of my favorite pieces I've written, too. It's about 2,000 words uh, about the suppression of curiosity. And the thesis of the piece is is that what we're doing is exactly that. We're suppressing curiosity. What happens is is I documented in the piece, and hopefully people can go back and read that column. Um, there's been an uptick in collapses in heart irregularities among young, healthy adults. According to provisional CDC data, that started in 2021. Okay, so we know that for a fact. Um, there was an uptick. We don't know why, but you have to wonder, okay, what changed in 2021? Well, a couple things, but the one that does come to mind is some people got the vaccine. Some people got it in 2022. And by the way, data's not in for 2022 yet, but the expectation is that that trend is going to be even higher than it was in 2021. So we do know that uh, we saw a rise in myocarditis, which the vaccine has been known to cause, does cars cause heart inflammation? As Elon Musk said, we don't know if that's common or rare, but we ought to know. And my issue is when this was broached to Dr. Fauci in January, he dismissed it and said, quote, it is horrifying to even ask that question. First of all, no question should be horrifying. If it's not the vaccine, tell us, show us, and we ought not ever ask it again. But the people in charge, be in the media politics and medicine refuse to even consider the idea that makes me 
incredibly suspicious to use a word we just referenced in a prior conversation. Mm -hmm. So we know something changed in 2021. We believe something heightened in 2022, but nobody wants to look into why. They're just dismissing this as a one-off. It's not a one-off. I I listed a long trend. Bronnie James is just the latest. So I'm not saying it's the vaccine because I don't know. But what I am saying is that people who job is to figure out why are refusing to look into it or even consider the vaccine. So by dismissing it, you're suppressing curiosity and you're making me more suspicious. I think Elon Musk's question was entirely fair because what's going on here is ominous. Young, healthy 18-year-olds should not be suffering cardiac arrest, particularly at the rates they have over the past two years. And I want to know why. I also want to know why Fauci in the media and science and politicians have no interest in figuring out the reason why. Yes. And it's so perfectly put what you just said there. Why don't they want to know? Why is asking the question a problem? Why is it not alarming? The guy's 18. He's healthy. He's a very physically fit and active individual who comes from an elite family, meaning he has access to very good nutrition. So any of the, the, you know, oh, the person is probably fat or, oh, the person doesn't take care of themselves or, oh, they don't eat well. None of that stuff is at play here with Bronny James. He's like the poster boy for someone who's healthy and young and has a huge long life ahead of him. You know, he's he's not even kind of one of the bad boys because sometimes the NFL players have their kids are like bad boys. And, you know, that's a dangerous yeah. lifestyle to lead. But he's not even one of those. He's, he seems like he's like, a you know, um, He's like hot dogs and apple pie and basketball. So what? what's the reason why people aren't curious? But I'll go a step further. Why do people demonize those who ask this question? You're not allowed to ask it. I've seen people on Twitter and Facebook when someone dies suddenly or has myocarditis or pericarditis, they'll say, oh, the person had cardiac arrest, but they're only 22 years old. I wonder, and you'll see a flood of comments come in. People who always mention the vaccine whenever someone dies are ghouls. You're terrible people. How do you sleep with yourself at night? How do you even know, you know, if you're a good person or not? Because every time something bad happens, you blame it on the vaccine. And then someone else will come in and say, not every time. If you die in a car accident or lightning strikes you, we don't bring up the vaccine. We only bring it up if it has something to do with your heart, you know. And and then we saw the article. I don't know if you saw this, Bobby. They're saying that the reason why so many people are having heart attacks is because there's a heat wave going across the country and it's climate change. <laughs> yeah, right. We can we can speculate on all these topics, but it can <laughs> never be the right. vaccine. Um, but this is a topic that it bothers me so much because I did an interview uh, last week kind of about my career and kind of how I approach things. And I always say a journalist is, has two jobs. I don't really consider journalism all that hard. I think you have two jobs. Ask questions and hold people in power accountable. Yet, when I asked this question uh, yesterday, I had a couple of journalists, some well-known, some authors, one guy who wrote a series for HBO, start tweeting at me saying, like, I need to be fired immediately. I'm dangerous. I'm anti, I'm anti-vaxxer, you know, that is on the scum of the earth and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, well, wait, if you're a journalist and you're coming after me and want me fired, which is fine. Wait, your job is also to ask these questions and put pressure on people to figure out the answer. So am I the one that's doing my job poorly, or is it the people who are trying to bury those who are most skeptical who are doing their jobs the most poorly? Like People have come to me and said, 
well, Bobby, what if you're wrong? Wrong about what? My only opinion is is that we ought to be figuring out what's happening here, and it seems to be the people who have access to figure this out aren't doing that. That's not me giving an opinion, and I do have an opinion on this, but I'm just, I'm just trying to apply pressure and lay out what's going on here because when I see this stuff happening, it's horrifying. I know so many young 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds in my life, and all of a sudden now I have to worry about them suffering cardiac arrest even though they're in great shape. What changed in 2021? Maybe it was the vaccine. Maybe it was lasting COVID symptoms. Maybe it's opioid use. Maybe it's the increased medication for anxiety and depression. We need to figure it out because protecting our youth should be our main responsibility. And by trying to dismiss and belittle anybody trying to ask that question, that is a far graver sin than anything else these people commit. And uh, oh, it just annoys me so much because everybody loves Bronny James, but nobody wants to protect him from suffering a cardiac arrest because of what it might uncover. Yeah, and you ask, they ask you, what if you're wrong? Uh, if you're wrong, the sun will go down and then the next day it will come back up and <laughs> you'll live to be right or be wrong another day. <laughs> that's what happens with, you know, yeah, that's it. Right, right. And, and, and I've been wrong before about a lot Me of things. Too. I'm actually Me pretty too. open about all yeah. the things that I've been wrong about. Like, I'm sure if you put a fact checker on every interview I've done and every word I've written, I'm sure there's a bunch of things that that were wrong and if somebody wants to point them out i'm happy to answer it um mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i like i i've never worried about being right or wrong all i've really ever done is say what i think is the truth that day and i have no regrets about it because if i believe that at the time i'm going to print it i'm going to say it and whatever repercussions come my way so be it um i've never worried about that i don't think journalists should but when I see all these journalists just bow down and try to protect the people above them and crush anyone who's skeptical, I just find it disgusting. That's why I have so little respect for most journalists. Uh, it's just um, I, I just I think it's shameful what they're doing. Yeah, Elon Musk just basically was wondering, right? Just wondering. Yeah. He says we cannot ascribe everything to the vaccine, and this is a tweet that he sent out on X. Right. We cannot ascribe everything to the vaccine, but by the same token, we cannot ascribe nothing. Myocarditis is a known side effect. The only question is whether or not it is rare or common. Now, that, this is hardly the incendiary right-wing language of a flamethrower yeah. or someone who doesn't believe in facts. It was just like, it was the most, yeah. this is the most banal comment I probably have read about this topic. Most people are much more pointed are much more passionate about which side they're on. What it's not the vaccine, or it absolutely is. And if you just sniff it, you'll get. You know, there's some people are shedding vaccine, and they'll kill you. I mean, there, there's a range, right? <laughs> it goes oh. from you know, one side all the way to the other. And so he falls right in the center with a, a, a librarian yeah. comment, and and he has right. twenty four thousand likes. But a lot of people, 5,300 replies as of this moment, and I'm sure a lot of them are full of expletives, calling him names because he just, you know, made this statement. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and sec the second part of that tweet is just, hey, we don't know if it's common and rare, but we better figure it out, which 
he shouldn't have had to say because we should have figured it out already. Like if this is happening at any rate, we have to figure out why. And uh, I mean, I mean, there's so many questions that go unanswered. Like Johnson and Johnson, when people first got that vaccine, they suffered blood clots. Well, nobody's really talking about that now. I mean, how many people? receive blood clots because of Johnson and Johnson. I don't know. Nobody's telling me. Nobody wants to know. Look, journalists, doctors, politicians, media members, they have to ask questions. That's their job. So no question should be horrifying. And that's when I saw Fauci say that in CBS, which made me write this piece. No, it's horrifying when you refuse to answer a question and try to besmirch and browbeat anyone who does ask the question. Um, that's an inexcusable answer by Dr. Fauci. And the way the press has continued to react to anybody who does ask the question is also inexcusable. Um, I, I was in the car the other day and I stopped at somebody's house yesterday. I stopped at somebody's house and they had CNN on. I saw a lady on, I don't even know who it was. It wasn't somebody I was familiar with. But they were accusing Elon Musk of making Bronny James all about himself. What in Elon Musk's tweet was about himself? It was nothing about Elon in that tweet. So I don't even understand that accusation. Well, it's a way to deflect away from because, you know, <laughs> Elon Musk is a big topic. Like in and of, of himself, he's a big topic. And so they can deflect away from what what Elon Musk was pointing to was the fact that this young man may have inadvertently – by taking the shot, he may have exposed himself to a risk. And so what, what he's trying to do is he's trying to say, you know, if someone like Bronnie James can, uh, you know, have a heart attack at 18 years old, then we, we might need to look around and see what's going on and, you know, gather some data because other people's children will be at risk because a lot of teenagers took the shot. And so he, that instead of addressing that concern, they will say, well, you're trying to make this about yourself. And then what they do is then everyone's like, yeah, Elon Musk is always, he likes talking about himself a lot, which I've noticed just in my brief perusal of his tweets. Cause I, I kind of treat his tweets the same way that I treated president Trump's. I read all of president Trump's policy tweets. I didn't read all of the ones where he was, you know, sharing his thoughts about, you know, this or that, like if it was about a yeah. person, um, I do the same thing with Elon Musk. If I see him come across my Twitter feed and he's interacting with someone and it's about something that has to do with the running of Twitter or the running of one of his companies or some, you know, like overarching issue like this. I read those and I read some of the responses. But if it's sometimes he'll tweet about things that have to do with gaming or things that have to do with like the inner workings of how Twitter, you know, the engineering parts. I don't really have an interest in that. So I kind of skim over those. I don't really read them. But I have to say for someone who's supposed to be so obsessed with himself he doesn't really talk about himself a lot. He doesn't tweet about himself a lot. He's asked a lot about himself. He's asked lots of questions about himself, but I mainly see him interacting with people, tweeting about other things of interest um, that, that he's interested in. So that is a deflection tactic, and it works for people who are small-minded because they're like, well, Elon Musk, and then they're like, Elon Musk, Elon Musk, Elon Musk, Elon mm -hmm. Musk, and they can't even think, like, what were you talking about before that? And they look at you blank-eyed. They don't even remember what they were talking about. They just heard Elon Musk, and now they're talking about Elon Musk, and they'll never, ever get off of it. So poor Bronnie James, 
right? And then you actually have the link. Yeah. If you're looking for this story, it's at StacyOnTheRight.com, and I'll tweet it out afterwards, uh, as I always do here. Um, this article is entitled, Elon Musk is Right to Wonder if COVID Vaccine Contributed to Bronnie James' Cardiac Arrest, Bobby Brock. And that he, Bobby is the author. And you actually have a quote block in here from the suppression of curiosity where you go back through historically um, Fauci being on with CBS host Major Garrett. You go back through the um, say, the, the curiosity following Bill Safety DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest, which was a nationwide story. Americans across the country yeah. praying for this guy. Um, European soccer. The, I, I talked many times here on the show about the mashup videos of the soccer players falling to the ground and not getting back up, falling down dead. Uh, uh, you highlight an Air Force offensive lineman, Hunter Brown, 21, collapsing and dying, walking to class on a Monday. Um, Victoria Lee, rising MMA star, died at 18, cause of death unknown. It's not the weather. It's not climate change. Something right. is killing young people, 17-year-olds, 21-year-olds, 18-year-olds. Not normal. Yeah. No, yeah, and um yeah, and in the original piece, I might even put the chart in there. Um, and I keep going back to that CDC report about the rise in 2021. I mean, per CDC's own wording, there was a rise in major cardiovascular disease among persons ages 15 to 39. The number heightened in 2021 when subjects received the COVID-19 vaccine. And they believe the numbers also rose in 2022, but those numbers aren't official yet. So you have to start there. What changed in 2021? Something changed. Something changed in 2022 as well. Well, what is that? We should look into that. That should be the headline, but of course it's not. It's a deflection to ridicule people like Elon Musk, who, again, is doing exactly what we mentioned is just being curious because the people in charge aren't curious by design, I think. Yeah, by design, intentional lack of curiosity. Don't look over here. Elon Musk is talking about himself again, right? <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right, so let's talk here. We we you can't you can't leave before you talk about RFK Jr. He's moved to third in the yeah. 2024 presidential odds. You're writing about this. He's ahead of DeSantis and behind Biden and Trump. What? What universe are we living in? Yes, I was surprised about this. Um, uh, were you, by the way, to see him third? I mean, I mean, no. to, you know, to be behind Biden and Trump, you weren't nope. surprised. He went on to uh, uh, Rogan, and he's been on all of the biggest podcasts. Everyone's talking about him, um, and he keeps posting these videos of himself. You know, he's in his seventies, but he's ripped, so he's got like these videos of himself lifting weights. And I'm like, what is this? I actually thought it was some kind of a weird. You know how they can make those right. deep fake videos? I thought it was a deep yeah, fake they... video. I I looked at it. I'm like, oh my gosh. This is RFK Jr. hulking weights with his shirt up. What? Where am I? I just asked myself, where am I in America in 2023? What? So, yes, I want to, I you know, make clear to people, these, these aren't polls. These are betting odds, people betting money on who's going to win. So it's a little bit different than polls. And I've actually followed the betting market um, ever since I got into OutKick, which was in 2020. So we first covered it for that election. I'm going to do these quite often now. So I've been following the market. And in November, after the primaries, DeSantis, I believe, was at plus 
350. So DeSantis is now at plus 1750, which means he's a long shot that hardly anybody expects him to win. So the reason I was so surprised about RFK Jr. is he had been low on this list, even though the polls had said that he'd been gaining momentum. The voting odds really didn't because I think a lot of people thought, well, for him to actually win the nominee, it did a lot of he has to overcome. And I do think the odds are a bit high for him, and here's why. I've said for a while, the Democrats will trout out Biden if they think he's the best but if the, because the bench is so weak. But if they think like a Gavin Newsom is a more viable candidate, they will try to push him through. So I look at the odds, and Gavin Newsom is plus 4,700. So RFK is a far greater chance. According to odds right now, Stacey, this is, these are betters. They think RFK has about a 10% chance of being the president come January 2025. That to me is very high. You think you disagree, huh? I'm surprised. I don't disagree. So the issue that is is you, we just got done talking about it. People are scared, but it's not out on the the outside, right? It's people mm-hmm. are afraid and it's the worst kind of fear because it's it's internalized. Right. It's a decision you made. You were pressured. You felt, you know, it was a very odd situation. People were locked down. They were under immense pressure. Family members were exerting pressure on other family members. And so a lot of people to keep their job, to keep their family together, because, you know, you can't bring your kids to see their grandparents. We're not have you're not invited to Christmas. You can't come to Thanksgiving. These stories are real and they happened by the millions. And so people took the shot. Now. They have to deal with the constant fear that, and people aren't worried about themselves, by the way. The nature of people is if, let's say, all of, I know four people who took the shot, two parents and two kids. The two parents are not worried about themselves. They're worried about the kids. They're worried that the kids are going to have this LeBron, the Bronny James, what happened to him, all the other people that we ran down in your article that you wrote a couple years ago. Uh, This is what people are worried about. So, The thing that a presidential candidate has to do is tap into a kitchen table issue that Americans care about, and they have to demonstrate knowledge, expertise, and proficiency in that kitchen table issue. They can't just talk about it with charts and graphs. They have to make people feel that they understand what they fear about that issue. That is key to presidential candidates tapping into voters and converting them from not just, I think I might vote for him if he's the nominee, but I will vote for him. I will put a sign for him in my yard. He understands me. He's my candidate. You have to, my candidate them. And the way to do it is to get them on something that they're afraid of or something that they're angry about. It's an emotion. You have to tap into it and tether that voter to you. RFK has done that on something that people fear coming out of the pandemic. They don't know what is going to happen in the future and want someone who understands that they're not crazy, someone who won't vilify them or punish them for making a decision under duress and someone who going forward will never let them be forced into a decision like that again. It makes him a formidable candidate. Now I know these are betting odds, but last couple of presidential cycles, the betting odds were very, very accurate, right? So, you know, let's not discount those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they were. Um, and that's a great point to bring up. So we'll go back to 2016, and this was before mm-hmm. I was at OutKick. The betting odds, the 
night before the election in the United Kingdom, where a lot of this is bet on, actually saw Trump usurp Hillary Clinton, and a lot of people just said, "What is going on in the UK?" So they, they, you're, you're right. Sometimes I find them more intriguing than the polls, even though RFK seemed to be a late push as far as the odds go. I think you laid that out so well. Um, you brought up some points that I hadn't quite considered about maybe why he is a formidable candidate. I thought you laid that out excellently. And um, yeah, it's fascinating because I'm going to keep tracking these odds and see where the money's coming, you know, where where people are betting, where the best value. Um, now, look, I do think if you're looking for that long shot bet where you can bet $10 and still make a pretty good profit, I, I would look at Gavin Newsom at plus 4,700, which is actually behind Michelle Obama. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you've got me convinced that, that RFK bet isn't might be a better value bet than I was considering earlier well, today. Yeah, uh, and so the other thing with um, Newsom is he's the opposite. People hate him. People loathe the sight of him. They know he's running California into the yeah. ground, but he is the antithesis to Trump. He's super tall. He's related to Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. He's rich. He used to be married to Kimberly Guilfoyle. He's what some people think is handsome, but mainly he's so full of himself. He, you're full of him. He's that's how full of himself yeah. he is. If you're near him, you're full of him because his cup overflows. Yeah. So he's the thing with him is he's positioning himself to be right there when the body drops, and he doesn't care if the body that drops is Kamala or Biden. So I I, I don't count Gavin Newsom out at all. I think we ignore him to our own peril because he's campaigning right now. Yeah, he, he absolutely is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you on all that. Like, I, I mean, I, by the way, I think he would be absolutely awful candidate. Uh, mm -hmm. or, God forbid, an awful president. I mean, yep. look at what he's done in California. Uh, yep. I mean, how is that not? I mean, that to me should almost disqualify him. There he should go to jail. Less interested. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, he, uh, I mean, I'm here in Michigan, and I mean, I know there's been some people pushing for our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, to put her hat oh in the race. Oh, my gosh. She'd be awful, too. She's Paul. terrible. I mean, oh. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but I I mean, I might even consider Gavin Newsom worse. I just, I mean, he's the exact slimy type of guy that I don't want anywhere near federal power. It really reminds me some, like, I think if he ran Canada, he'd run it just like Trudeau. He really reminds mm -hmm. me a lot of him. Yeah, he's the American Trudeau, um, yeah. but Trudeau doesn't. Trudeau's not scary looking. He's he he does scary things, but he's not scary looking. Right. Where Gavin Newsom, when he looks into the camera and he talks, you can feel something terrible. Like it's like something rolling up your spine. It's crawling on your arm. It's something terrible. Whenever I I've stopped watching clips of him because he's just so. Like, first of all, he's kind of angry. Have you noticed how often he goes on television and he's mad? That's not normal yeah. for a politician. Politicians are always smiley. They're unflappable. What a I don't know what's happening there, but um, I'm going to start watching the betting odds because you're right. There was some very interesting calls in 2016 and 2020 where the betting odds were the ones who were kind of closer to what actually happened. But more than that, you know, the betting odds are supposed to be for fun, not like the polls. The polls you have to take seriously. Right, exactly. The betting odds are supposed to be for fun. So, Yeah, and, and that's why you see Michelle Obama, you know, I think ranked six now um, because it is fun to bet for her and it's not a poll. It's not science. But um, there is something there. They, they 
I wouldn't say they're always accurate because they're certainly not, but they've been accurate at times where it makes you wonder uh, you know, just how smart the people putting money on it actually are because we've seen it before, particularly in 2016. And I just looked uh, here from a year ago. I mean, DeSantis was so close to Trump, even close to Biden a year ago. So to mm-hmm. see him now all the way down at plus 1750 is um, – Something I did not see coming. I, I often admit, I mean, I did not see him plummeting down these ranks, which seem to correspond to what you're seeing in the polls with him. Now, I'm not ruling him out yet because I do think that he's popular among still some influential conservatives, and that could help him. But according to the betting market, um, you know, he, he, I mean, he is going in a direction that few candidates have gone this early on. So the big deal is um, it was last week or late the week before they announced they were laying off some campaign staff. This week they announced they laid off more. So these are terrible things to have happen at this stage of the campaign where most candidates are ramping up their fundraising and he's actually trying to conserve money for the general, money that's earmarked for the general that he can't use now, which is why he has to lay people off. And – So, you know, first of all, that's terrible for the people he's laying off because they were counting on working all the way through the campaign. So I hate that. I hate reading that. Um, And then the other thing is I said all along, Bobby, and, you know, I'm just somebody's mom on the radio. So I get to say I told you so. Other people, maybe not so much. But I like I I, you know, I I reserve that right for myself because I don't do it often, but I will do it. And I'm going to have to do it right now. I said that he should keep his powder dry because he's young, his wife is young, they have a young family, and he was just elected to the governorship in Florida. And he could demonstrate his gubernatorial prowess because we do like to elect a governor to be the president um, of these United States. And so he would have had two strong terms, maybe even a third. He would be much more seasoned, he'd be older, and Americans would take him more seriously. He's, it's not that we can't take him seriously now. It's that everyone is focused on Trump, and rightly so. And so he's out of sync with the moment. Um, so I'm, it's nothing against DeSantis. I think he's America's governor. I think he's great at what he does. But this is not the time for him to run. And a failed presidential run, sometimes that can be a death knell to somebody actually becoming president. And that's what I didn't want to see. So that's why I'm saying, DeSantis, I told you so. Right. Yeah, it goes back to um, advice I got, obviously a much smaller scale than President of the United States, <laughs> but you know, don't expose yourself until you're good, right? Like before you go on air or write a column, make sure you're good first. Some people are so um, you know, anxious and ready to put themselves out there, but when you struggle or expose yourself early on, the timing's not right. It's hard to overcome that. It's hard to dig yourself out of that hole. And and, and you're right. I mean, and I, I guess I was on the opposite side of that. Like I would have told you in November, and I think I even wrote this at the time. I thought after the primaries, DeSantis was in great position to challenge Trump. I was wrong on that. And it does seem like the timing was just not there. And if he would have waited for, say, 2028, 20, he might have walked in and entered the race as the favorite, particularly among Republicans. I wonder if timing just was a bad decision on him. And I do wonder if what kind of hole he will have to dig himself out of because there's a lot of people who were fans of DeSantis during the pandemic and moved to Florida who now don't like him because they're pro-Trump or didn't like his lack of response to what happened with Trump. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I think in a lot of ways he's one of the more interesting candidates to watch, not just because whether or not he you know, can really challenge Trump, but just what are the lasting effects 
of this campaign for him because as of right now, it's been overly negative and a bit concerning about what it can do to his eventual political career long term beyond being governor. And like you said, he's still under 50. He has a long way to go. And if, if he does sink that ship now, it's not always easy to pull that ship out of the water. Yeah, but I don't think it's a sunken ship. I, I think um, he's young enough that he can bounce back from this. He goes back to the state of Florida and he governs well year after year after year and becomes known mm -hmm. as a solid governor, a leader within the Republican Party and the GOP for uh, the, the, for the governors, and then comes back later. You know, after the dust settles after a second Trump term, you you then are everyone, every, every one of us will be looking around. You and I will be here on the radio looking around. Who's yeah. who's next? Who's coming up next? And then when we land on DeSantis, the first thing we'll say is, oh, right, DeSantis, because he was a great governor. He's been doing so well in Florida, listing off his accomplishments there. He comes back. None of us even think about this campaign run because, you know, it's water under the bridge. It's a long time ago. I don't think this destroys him, but I, I, I think, you know, it's the path forward, right? Bobby, how does he react, you know, to the campaign imploding? Does he, you know, carry himself well? Does he kind of close things up neatly with the bow, throw his support to Trump and move forward? Or, you know, does it get nasty? It, it, a lot hinges on how he ends it. Um, but I don't think it destroys him and, unless it goes terribly wrong. But I think it could go really well, actually. Depends on how he takes it. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly with you on that. I think how he exits the race, assuming he doesn't get the nominee, which I, I don't see it at this point. Um, I think how he exits the race is going to be key, and how he governs the next few years. And I've said many times, I think you mentioned it too. He, I think he's been the best governor by quite a margin. So if he can just go back and focusing on that over the next few years and position himself as a leader of the party. We can forget 2024, and as long as his feud with Donald Trump doesn't escalate beyond that, I think there's some Trump voters who might like DeSantis again in 2028 mm -hmm. or yep. 32. Um, yep. So the, you know the, the strategy here is going to be key because you know when he entered this race, I was fascinated by could he challenge Trump? To me, that's no longer per se the question. It's more about how he restores his image, and I think it could be as simple as just focus on Florida and do the job you've been doing when you gained all that support because during the pandemic, nobody handled their state better than him. And honestly, I think few politicians on the local, state, or federal level handled their responsibilities better than DeSantis around that time. Nope, he was in the far and away leader uh, for for COVID response and and nimbleness and their mistakes were made all over, but he he recovered the fastest, did the best at it. Yeah. Um, okay, so lots of articles tonight. I will tweet them out. And Bobby Barak, journalist covering media, politics, and sports at Outkick, are one of our favorites every single week. Thank you, sir, for joining tonight for all this hard work. We will talk to you again soon. <laughs> Stacy, I appreciate it. Talk soon. All right, talk soon. Uh, eight six six nine five seven twenty eight seventy four. We'll be right back.